This is The Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 953, my interview with Eric Winters. We're discussing his book, Swipe Right to Your Best Self. Enjoy. Eric, welcome to The Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here. Lee, thank you for having me. As we both sip on our cups of tea. Mm, mm. Not too far apart, mate, both in Australia. You are just up the coast. In a in a on the... in a different time zone, I suppose you're probably ten o'clock. I'm nine o'clock. Is that right? Yes, I I am in your future, Lee. That's true. Mm. I'm an hour That's ahead. Nice. It, 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 you can look you can look forward to it. The um the created future, mate. Uh, well, welcome to the the podcast. What sort of tea are you drinking? Uh, actually, this is a tea two English breakfast tea. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm experiment. I'm experimenting at the moment with different breakfast teas. Yep. And this one is doing quite well, but I'm I'm open to suggestions if you've got any. Personal I'm I'm, I'm right into the mean... teas at the moment. I'm, I I still drink my coffee, even though I said to myself that I wouldn't. I still find myself having a uh, a long black here and there, but uh, mostly mm. tea for my days. And um, I went to the Asian shop recently, and actually I went to visit a, a client, and he he poured me this tea, and he had these big bags of tea leaves, and I thought, oh, that's great. So I went mm. out and I bought a new teapot and. Went to this Asian shop and got um, a whole different variety of teas, or not oh. so many, but three different types anyway, and put them in my jars at home. And so I've, I've just been sampling those, and you sort of get into an obsession sometimes. It, it's a bit, um, bit of a ritual that I enjoy. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, and, a, and a lovely little break, a little oasis uh, in the day, I think, to step back and immerse yourself in the ritual of preparing a really nice cup of tea. Do you think we can drink too much tea? Do I? <laughs> I I find after I've had about three cups, I sense a yeah. a slight just it's just a slight. I'm reluctant to use the word anxiety, but there's something unsettled about the experience. So yes, three is my limit. What? How about yourself, Lee? How far can you go? Yeah, I probably have a pot, and that's probably about three cups. Mm. Um, but I can often have a, a pot, you know, between I don't know. Six, Six thirty and eight o'clock, and then I could probably pour another pot and drink that until midday. <laughs> so um, that's the obsession. But um, it's, it's I don't know. It may not be better than drinking coffee all day, but certainly it feels feels a little bit better. So, uh, <laughs> mate, look, where do we go from here? We um, we've gone off on tangents, and you've got a, a fantastic new book out. You're very much aligned oh. with what I love, and that's you know personal development and and helping people get the most oh. out of out of life. You've got this book which you've self-published, which I love, um, and it's titled Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life with Fewer Regrets. I've got the copy in my hand that you've sent me, Eric, so it's uh, much appreciated, and I can't wait to, to delve in myself. But perhaps we can just talk about your work and, and the book and um, maybe give some, some people a little bit of direction about how they can go about um, living a bolder life um, without regrets. And I really love that, without regrets. You know, I think that's super important. Um, and I reflected on that this morning, actually. But um, yeah. t- tell us yeah, about yourself, I, mate, and your journey, and, mm, and let's maybe start there. Oh, my my journey, my goodness. Well, in in another life, in another life, uh, in the UK, I was an IT consultant, uh, a specialist, and I was working in quite high pressure situations for IBM, mm-hmm. uh, managing, let's say, the, the ATM networks for the, the the biggest banks in the UK, and at times, there would be crises, and it, pretty much in the world of IT, there are crises uh, possibly every other day. You know, something stops working, and as you might imagine, there's a lot of excitement when 
the ATM for uh, a bank stops functioning. It gets mm. a lot of attention. And I noticed that there were some managers who could really bring out the best uh, in their teams and themselves when they were under pressure. They could really step up, you know, manage themselves, stay calm, think clearly, and communicate effectively, and uh, really elicit high performance from others. And that was fantastic to watch. It was in inspirational. But there were other managers, I noticed, who, when the pressure was really on, would, to some degree or other, begin to infect others with their anxiety. Mm. They would begin to lose it a little bit. They weren't thinking quite as effectively. You could hear the strain and the, and the, the fear in their voices and it would spread and i was uh, fascinated in what made the difference and i saw that in in scotland so i worked there for eight years but oh, I also, oh it was a fantastic beautiful country uh, lovely people and the countryside just starts 30 minutes away from the city center so mm. just extraordinary but i moved to the middle east which was a little different to abu dhabi and although the the culture was different the environment was different. Human responses were exactly the same. There were yeah. some managers, when the pressure was on, who would really step up and do great work. And there were others who, uh, to some degree, fell apart. Mm. And I moved to Germany, saw the same thing, then worked laterally in Australia, saw the same thing. So I was wondering what makes the difference. And uh, as you know, there is, in fact, a, a science behind human performance and human well-being. So about, uh, about 14 years ago, no, 15 years ago, I immersed myself in that science. I've uh, taken a couple of master's degrees in human behavior change and have had the, the joy, the, the sheer indulgence of learning what are the conditions under which we can be our best, uh, even when things are challenging. And what are the what are the contexts that erode our capability to do good work and enjoy ourselves? So that was the the background. Over the last twelve years or so, I've spent uh, a, a lot of time learning more and more about the circumstances and especially the skills that we can develop to help ourselves and those we work with and live with to manage our minds more effectively when challenged is it about managing I, the mind then mostly is that where it all sort of stems from i there, there are many approaches to uh, to, to living well of, of course but the area that i'm particularly interested in lee is yeah how can we manage ourselves in relation to our minds because our, our minds uh, are going to tell us things at times which are helpful and useful and yeah. wise. And at times, our minds can be <laughs> extremely uh, pessimistic and make these catastrophic predictions. And uh, uh, one of the skills we need to live well and with courage is the ability to notice, to notice what's happening in our minds, to step back. And to consider, okay, if I uh, if I jump in with what my mind is telling me, is that going to take me in a direction that I really want to go? Mm. So yes, it, it's skills skills around managing our response 
to our minds is, is the area that I'm especially interested in. It's uh, a little bit of self-leadership, is it? A absolutely. Because it seems like you've looked at leadership, um, you know, from the beginning, but then it really boiled back again down to self-leadership. And I've always sort of found that crossover very interesting about, you know, how we can look up to leadership skills and managers and, and great managers and great leaders and go, you know, if we could apply those principles inwardly to ourselves, imagine the, the effectiveness um, or, or the life that we could live. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. People tend to focus often in uh, leadership development programs on, yeah, how do we get others to behave more like the kind of uh, workers we want them to be? How can I influence others? Mm. But the foundation to that, you know, before we can influence others, we need to develop skills to influence ourselves mm. helpfully. So, yes, my focus is absolutely initially on self-leadership. We've got to get that sorted first. And then, totally, let's now, in this uh, high, more resourceful, more uh, uh, empowered state, more effective state, let's now turn our attention to eliciting the best from others. Do you think if we could just become better self-leaders that most of everything else will just flow? And I, I write this to, you know, following the process. I'm a big believer if we just do the right things each moment, the results will take care of themselves. And, and I feel like if we could just find oh, mm -hmm. that the foundational self-leadership skills within ourselves and we could really refine them, and that's probably a, a lifetime practice, but if, as we refine them, refine mm -hmm. them, refine them, mm -hmm. everything else would just take care of itself in life. I, I reckon it, it goes a long, long way, Lee. Yes, I think taking care of ourselves is, is the, the biggest part of the job. Now, it, it is true that once you've managed yourself, uh, you know what's important to you, you've established what your values are, you've developed skills of uh, self-awareness and uh, skillfully managing natural human fears and concerns and doubts that bubble up, then you do also need some additional skills in how do you communicate effectively and skillfully to others. How hmm. do we? How do we relate to others as well? But the, massively, the, the the biggest part of the task, I'm with you, is actually sort of uh, relating to ourselves well, developing self leadership. Self leadership is that is that what this book is about? Is that why you wrote the book? Like, what what is the purpose of oh, of this book? Yeah. So I, I've noticed over the last, uh, say, the 12, 15 years, I've learned a lot of skills about self leadership, and after a while, you begin to take them for granted. You imagine that everyone is aware of these strategies, and and they're not. So th there were two reasons for me to write this book. One was I, I just wanted to share these compelling ideas, these powerful ideas hmm. that, that I've learned with others, but, but I wanted to make them highly accessibly. As a, all of this stuff is published, of course, in uh, peer-reviewed journals, in, in academic articles, and, and buried in books. I wanted to pull it out and write a small book that cut out all the fluff and had a lot of potent ideas in a small number of pages. Hmm. That, that's what I've written. And I was especially inspired to write the book after reading the uh, top five regrets of the dying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You remember that? that Bonnie Ware, was it? Bronnie Ware, absolutely. Bronnie, the palliative Bronnie care Ware. nurse 
looking after hundreds of people in their last uh, weeks or, mm. or few months of of uh, life. And again and again, she was hearing that these common themes, these common regrets. And the number one regret that she heard from those who were close to dying was, I wish I had had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. The courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. My book is about how all of us can develop courage to live lives true to ourselves. Mm. Yeah. It's it's such a um uh like just that 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 um one regret alone it just mm. when you think about it you just go well that sort of sucks isn't it if you if that's oh. the top regret to live a life that you didn't actually live a life true to yourself yes and you know i've got enormous sympathy and empathy for those who do have that regret because all of us are under enormous pressure to conform to the expectations of others hmm. there is we're under pressure from society hmm. from our, our culture advertising is informing us how uh, people of your age and your gender ought to behave you know how you ought to look yeah. the sorts of jobs you ought to aspire to so we are being shaped by uh, well-funded influences outside of ourselves to conform and to, to to behave ourselves in ways which suit others mm. and no wonder no wonder so many people are seduced by that uh, th those messages those continual relentless messages we see them on tv uh, in shows on youtube uh, the number of videos that have been channeled towards me on the sort of abs that I ought to have you know if I was <laughs> if I was as fit as somebody uh, ought to be well I should be looking like this and of course we're informed that we can have those uh, that, that body if we just sign up you know, if we just sign up to this uh, this program if we just pass over some money then we can get that body and then we'll be happy and of course it's, it's a terrible lie uh, happiness does not come through uh, pleasing others, through uh, meek, through getting other people's approval. Mm. It's a, a well, it goes of... against everything we've sort of started off about that self-leadership. It does the absolute opposite. Mm. It's about extrinsic guidance to a life which is never going to lead you anywhere. And um, yes. I think it's, it's a really big shame. And it's a really hard thing to learn too. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out, um, oh. how, how we go about that. But I think it's constant constantly evolving and we have to constantly practice at it every day to to continue to find that that inner balance and that level of self-leadership that will guide us to live a life more true to herself and it's 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 hard to it's really hard to do it is it is we are uh, we, we are habitual creatures we're habitual animals we we slip into habits of thought and mind and to author a life of our own requires hmm. intentionality it requires a sorting up becoming more conscious present and choosing what kind of people we want to be hmm. and uh, th that's why my book is called swipe right on your best self it's about choosing not choosing uh, somebody else in, in a dating app what kind of person do i want to be going out with 
but actually choosing swiping right on the identity that we want to adopt. So this comes from like the technology where we swipe right to open up things or, or to... Yeah. Mm, I think some of, of those dating apps are like, you know, you swipe right on someone. Is that what happens? I've actually never... Yes. This is going to sound ridiculous, yes. but I've never been on a dating yeah. app. Well, you're, there, there are a number of apps now, but it, it's, in, it's not just dating apps. It's you know, pizza apps, uh, shopping apps. They often will have something presented to you. And if you, if you swipe it to the right, you know, sort of push you it with it. your finger to the right you're saying yes uh, put that in my my shopping cart as it were yeah. you're saying yes to that and if you don't want something uh, you push it to the left and i notice my my email hmm. program actually on my iphone works that way too when i'm in my inbox i can swipe right yeah, you're on. On, on something or i can push it to the left and it's deleted deleted yeah yeah Ooh. i love that function <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it's um, so we, we're really you're really saying yeah swipe right and choose yourself basically exactly it's, um, it's, we do have to decide what kind of self we yeah. want to be and and that's not an easy task that requires and you're alluding to this this is an ongoing task we need to soul searching yes soul searching and as we go through different phases of life as you move from being a child to a teenager to being a young adult maybe starting a family. You know, your priorities change. Yeah. The kind of person, the, the, the things you want to pursue and uh, throw yourself into, your, your passions shift as you move through these stages of adult development. So it's not as though we can ever just say, yeah, I've identified for once and for all the kind of person I'm going to permanently be. I'll be that, thanks. Hmm. No, that, Found my purpose. Person. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That'll do. Done it. Thank goodness. Glad that's sorted. That's what we're waiting no. for. That's, 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 and I have conversations all the time with these uh, purpose leaders, and, and I love it, and I love the conversations. But the uh, the people out there, we just seem to now, okay, where's my purpose? I, I should have found my purpose. Why can't I find my purpose? And then we sit there and wait for it to, to be thrown at us or, you know, written in a letter to us so we can then suddenly go, yep, here it is. Okay, I'm all good now. Which, Well, you're absolutely right. People... Once they realize there is such a thing as having a purpose, they they seek it. And uh, also in my workshops, people, when you ask them, you know, what, what matters, a lot of the time they've never given themselves the space to reflect. They've been no. so busy hmm. meeting targets, uh, working their way up the uh, the corporate ladder. And, and that was somebody else's purpose that they were given to to climb high to uh, succeed in a career. Others sometimes will, will find a purpose uh, in a, perhaps a, a book which they're given. And, and, and we can find elements of our authentic purpose in other people's purposes or is in, in written material. But really, it's something that we need to think about and explore and get help from coaches like yourself, Lee, to develop a better appreciation of what really matters to the individual hmm. and not just what matters to others. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, a lot it's, of hard work. I was just, um, I was, I'm mm -hmm. thinking about this documentary I watched this week and mm -hmm. it was about this um, tomb in Egypt mm -hmm. and in, in the tomb, they've all these nice intricate carvings and, um, of uh, the particular family, I think it was Watte, 
um, of his family. And they then sort of explained that the carvings weren't about the person's life that they lived. It was about their future lives that they want to live. Um, and then it sort of reflected on, I thought, what they were doing is is constantly carving out their character in life, constantly trying to improve their current existence so that when they do pass, they can be better prepared for the next life. And whether you believe in the next life or not, I just I, it sort of, for me, it felt like, you know, there's this need for us to constantly work on the self and constantly carve ourselves and put into practice things that will help us ever evolve and improve. And if, as long as we're improving slightly every day, by the end of it all, hopefully we won't regret um, that we've done something with purpose. And that is the ultimate purpose is, is that level of self-progress and improvement. Uh, I totally agree, Lee. It's about small steps in the direction of becoming increasingly the kind of people we want to be. Mm. Slow steps. And I, I like this idea of the, uh, the sculpture representing their, their future self. Their, their, I'm getting the idea it was their ideal self, the self they aspire to become. And that reminds me of your podcast interview with Michael Gelb. And he was talking about mind mapping. Mm. And he said at the middle of his mind map, he has uh, an avatar, a little rep a logo representing what's most important to him, the kind of uh, the kind of person he wants to be. And that's right in the middle of his mind map. And when he does his planning, it goes out. It's inspired from that central core yeah. of, of what matters to me. So there's a, a lovely line up there with these uh, carvings you're talking about. And is that where you would suggest we start to find out, you know, we have to sort of understand, number one, what sort of life we want? Yes, I, t totally. It, it yeah. all begins. It all begins with discovering what's, what is the kind of, what is the kind of person you want to be? What is important to you? Mm. Where do you want to go? If you could, if you could, uh, and I, this is a, a, another idea I got from a documentary recently. If you could become the sort of ancestor that you'd most aspire to be, so that people look back and say, "Ah, oh, do you remember so and so?" Uh, how we admire his qualities of, you know, what would those qualities be? Hmm. And so, is this a sort of practice that we can use to? I, it's one of the practices. There's a lot yeah. of different exercises that we can engage in to think about the kind of person we want to be. Uh, one way is to simply think about the people that you admire now in life. Who do you uh, look up to? Uh, they could be real people that you see on the news, perhaps. Uh, not so many of them these days, but they, they, <laughs> there are individuals <laughs> that we can look, look, look up to and think, wow, uh, they're living they are, they are embodying and expressing through their life and their work and their love uh, the values which are also important to me. So we can be inspired by others. That can help us. So looking, looking for people that we, we look up to, he heroes, yeah. I suppose. Yes. Yes. Let's use the word heroes or role models. But yes, role models. I, but I, I, I like the word hero. Why not? They, they have 
because often there is an element of courage. The people we look up to often are doing something which is extremely challenging. They're getting pushed back. It could uh, take a lot of, uh, sometimes it's physical energy or it's in emotional courage. They're being rejected, but they're pushing on in spite of obstacles. So often we, we do notice heroic qualities in those we aspire to. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so they could be real people, but, but we can also get these role models from fictional people. Mm. Uh, one of my clients said, when I asked him this question, you know, who, who inspires you? Who have you seen? And you thought, yeah, that's the kind of person I'd like to be. And she said, you know what? It's Jon Snow. Jon Snow from the Game hmm. of Thrones. And uh, if, if the, your listeners who have seen the show will recognize that he, had, he was a man of extraordinary integrity. And he would do what was right rather than what was easy or what was going to look good. So uh, those were the qualities that, that she aspired to increasingly embody in her life. Hmm. So that's, that's, just, that's just one way of identifying what matters to us. Yeah, so you can definitely, um, someone said this to me once on the show, is look for uh, a superhero that you've sort of just, because we all have a superhero that we, we favour, I think. Mm. Um, mm. Who, who's yours? Well, you know what? I have, <laughs> I have enormous respect, enormous respect for Alain de Botton, the philosopher and author and emotional intelligence teacher. He's the head of the School of Life. Are, are you familiar with Alain What's de Botton's work? How do we spell it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Alan spelled in the French way. So A-L-A-I-N, yeah. D-E, and then B-O-T-T-O-N. He has a, an organization called the School of Life. It has a fantastic YouTube channel full of hundreds of short, maybe five-minute videos packed with wisdom absolute condensed hmm. wisdom about how we can leave, lead more meaningful, purposeful, and emotionally intelligent lives. School of Life recommended to everyone. Yeah, look that up. That's awesome. Yeah. So Alain, the, the reason that Alain is someone I aspire to, uh, to emulate as best I can is, is one, he is deeply interested in helping others hmm. to, uh, to manage themselves through building emotional intelligence. But also, he is an extraordinary uh, keynote speaker. And I, I, I speak myself. So I'm inspired to be more like Alain when I'm speaking. And he's also a terrific author. A very, very funny man. So uh, I could recommend... What's going uh, on? Answer. Yeah, no, check that out. Oh, sounds like yeah, it's right the, um, do you subscribe to looking at, at life um, when, we, when we're talking about and trying to map out, okay, how we want our life to be? Mm. Do you sort of subscribe to the idea of thinking about how we want to feel? And then if that's how we want to feel, then sort of working backwards to what we um, need to do and et cetera? No, I don't. I, 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 well, let me uh, couch that with some provisos. It, it's, a, it's potentially a dangerous route mm. in that... If what most people want to feel and what I want to feel is good, you know, okay. I'm sure you're the same. I want to feel good. And when do I want to feel good now, right now? And unfortunately, uh, the best things in life, the most meaningful, most rewarding things, experiences that we will ever have in our life actually 
revolve around a great deal of discomfort up front. There's a down payment yes. of dis discomfort. Yeah, uh, it's the price of having a meaningful life is actually being willing to, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is being to feel feel pretty uncomfortable, uncertain uh, now here in the present. And, and that's what courage is. It's taking meaningful action while you're still feeling perhaps fear or doubt or uncertainty. Mm. It's, uh, and Susan David had a lovely quote on that. So uh, she wrote a book on emotional agility and she has a fabulous TED talk in, in which she says courage is, is walking with fear. It's going forward with fear. Now I've, I've mangled her quote there, but that's the idea. It's not getting rid of fear. It's not destroying fear so that we're fear less. Hmm. We are, we need to find ways to change our relationship to fear so that we can at least take action, meaningful action, while we feel discomfort. So, no, I, I tend not to uh, start with how do you want to feel, but rather how do you want to show up? Hmm. What are the values that you want to live, uh, to express? What would that look like? And, and so I've, so I've really looking at those values again and, and you know, looking at the yes. people you look up to, you admire, your heroes, etc. Finding out yeah. values that you admire yeah. in them and then trying to live by those values yourself. Yes, and we can do it partly by, as you say, looking to uh, others mm -hmm. who, who embodies qualities that we admire. Yeah. But we can, we can also do it by looking at people that we, <laughs> who we find uh, very difficult to be in the presence of. That the people who we find most jarring because they are demonstrating to us that some of our values have been violated the people we are most offended by in life are violating our values so they are also paradoxically a rich source of finding out what does matter to us so you may be able to think of one or two politicians right now who say certain things in a certain way and you are you you may have some very strong reactions to what they are promoting hmm. and that tells us that you know, they are violating something that matters to you hmm. but another thing i do in my in my workshops is i give people packs of cards uh, they're values cards and uh, I, I call them compass cards so they list about 58 different values and people take them out and they look at them. They look at these words and decide, yeah, actually, to what extent does this matter to me? And they arrange them, arrange them in front yeah. of them. They put the ones that are most important up top, yeah. the less, yeah. And there's something really powerful about being able to physically move values on the table in front of you. Yeah. You have to um, a... come back to it again and again, don't you really, sometimes? Oh, massively, absolutely. Uh, our values do shift and they shift for different contexts. So when you're at home and you're a family man, Lee, I believe you've got kids. Mm, yes. When, yeah, yeah. And the values that you want to bring forward when you're at home in the presence of your family, they may be slightly different. There may be a slightly different combination of values than the ones that you want to bring forward when you're working with organizations, when you're with your clients. So there are certain values that, uh, are more salient for the workplace and some that are more salient at home and perhaps some that are more salient when you're 
I don't know, exercising or doing something different. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you find when you're working with people to sort of help them discover their their mm. why, I suppose, or, or what their you know how they want to live their life? What are some of the the challenges you confront most commonly with people and and this activity? Well, often it's as I mentioned earlier, it's a very new activity. Hmm. They've never they've never thought about it, so it can actually be a, a little a, a little alarming at first to realise that you can choose, and sometimes it can bring up enormous regret because people will identify their values and suddenly be struck by the extent to which they have not been living in alignment of what they care about. So that can be a little bit uncomfortable. But they invariably, yes. perhaps you've noticed the same thing, Lee? Do you think that's why people avoid this, this process sometimes uh, entirely? Is uh, because yes. they're fearful of yes. what they might encounter? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. They are. But if you're in an environment with, with uh, a skillful facilitator, who can manage the space and help you to manage yourself as you recognize that there's a gap. But also, more importantly, help you realize that the future has not happened yet. You know, this next instant has never happened. It's brand new. And you get to choose how you're going to show up from now on. And in a sense, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. That's yesterday. And, you know, big applause if you lived up to your values yesterday. But that's that's happened. The question is, how are you and I, how are each of us going to choose to show up in this moment, in this new moment? Hmm. So once people realize that, then they feel there's an enormous sense of agency and empowerment that they they recognize they've actually got far more choice over how the rest of their life is going to be than they'd ever realized. Yes. And they get excited. Mm. And there's a lot of laughs and a lot of smiles uh, as people make that discovery and then begin slowly. And I like the point you made. This is incremental. It's not yeah. like something you, you, uh, you, you fix. And I'm now 100% congruent with all my values in every minute. No, uh, all of us can get better at living values congruent lives and working in a values congruent way. And when we do, it changes everything. So when we, you know, clarify to some extent what we value and what, how, what we want to live mm -hmm. by, very mm -hmm. important. Um, I think there, there sometimes seems to be a, a need or a desire for this dramatic shift and a sudden change. Um, but is that the case or is it like you said, it's, it's something that we can just go, okay, well, this is my current life. This is where I work. This is what I do. Um, I'm just going to start slowly making sure that I live by these values in, in every day, even though there's going to be yes. things that come up that, that are against that. Yes. We, in fact, we, we do not need to change everything in external to us in order to have rich meaning. So we can live by our values in whatever job you're doing now. Hmm. So you can, if, if you'd like to be someone who is uh, uh, more thoughtful, kind, compassionate, uh, more optimistic, more, more focused, perhaps, you want to bring more curiosity, or perhaps more humor, more playfulness, or you want to learn more, you can do that in whatever 
work you're doing. Yes. Now, anything. So I'm going to say for 98% of people that that's, they can bring enormous meaning to whatever they're doing. For 2% or for you know, a tiny minority, they will recognize perhaps there's something about the career that they're in that actually is significantly misaligned. Maybe the product that their organization uh, promotes, mm-hmm. uh, they might think, well, actually, when I, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, that particular product is uh, is not improving people's lives. Yeah. Actually, you know, if, I, if I'm really honest, uh, it's it, it, it's toxic. Mm. It's uh, and then and so some people may choose to start a different career. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that's where the the whole um, practices I guess you teach about mindset will help people um, start bringing these values into their lives because it's not going to be easy. It's, you're going to struggle to do them, and you're going to find yourself at the end of the day going, "Shit, I didn't live towards my values at all today." Yeah, um, and that uh, might frustrate you in itself. Um, it, and 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 that's good. If it frustrates you, well, that's good because you are you are recognizing there's a mismatch. Hmm. Uh, so that's the first step is actually to recognize what your values are, acknowledge where, it, to what extent there's a mismatch perhaps in your personal life or in your professional life. And then next, develop the skills. And it really does require skill hmm. to, to meet the challenge, yep. to, to do what is difficult but authentic. Hmm. And sometimes it's going to mean having difficult conversations. So there are many people actually in relationships which are not nourishing. They are imbalanced. You know, there's, there's something unhealthy about it. And these things can be often fixed, but it requires having some very courageous conversations. Yeah. And, and, and that's a skill. And the same thing happens in the workplace. There could be something about your workplace that actually you are perhaps not being remunerated as you should. You, uh, you may have been holding yourself back from saying yes to opportunities that would actually stretch you, be challenging, but in the long run, be far more meaningful. So developing courage, the ability to do what matters, but you is, you know, you're reluctant to do because it's uh, fears bubble up. Yeah. It's a skill. Hmm. And, and that's what I teach in my workshops is, is the skill of relating to fears differently so that we can do great work and enjoy ourselves while we do it. Yeah. What, what are some of the, um, the core skills that, that you could um, maybe quickly share with mm. our audience? Yeah. So, well, after we've got this values piece out of the way, and yeah. we know what matters to us. Hmm. Uh, the next step is to decide, okay, well, what, what kind of actions would I be taking that would be congruent with that? How would I be? And uh, often these are adverbs. You know, I would be doing this uh, with curiosity or kindly or uh, with uh, curiosity, with an appreciation, with enthusiasm. Uh, and as we think of those actions, inevitably, there w- at times there will be fears that bubble up. So mm. the first skill is actually noticing the fears as they arise yeah most of human life we're on autopilot we don't actually notice the stories we're telling ourselves we don't notice our feelings we just act and we act to get relief so we procrastinate 
and how wonderful procrastination is. It never fails to deliver immediate relief. So, so we do it a lot. We, uh, we defer doing the courageous thing. So the first skill is actually to notice when fears and worries bubble up. And so there are skills in noticing what we're telling ourselves, the self-talk, and there are skills in noticing the actual, uh, the emotion, the feeling in the body. Yeah. Once we've noticed these things, I'm oh, sorry. How, how do we how do we get to notice those things? Like, what's mm, yeah? Because if we're all on autopilot, it's just like we're going to get just keep missing them. Yep, through building noticing skills. So there are many ways we can uh, build noticing skills. There are formal ways, and that's to say, you could take a, a mindfulness meditation program, yeah. which which has, as you're aware enormous evidence that it can develop your capacity to train your attention what do you reckon to... the biggest one like if you could just leave one one practice of, of mindfulness or noticing skill okay what would be the okay. best one that people could take away and start doing right here's here's the one thing which uh, i do and i encourage everyone to do and that's as you go through your daily life yeah at times you you will have a pleasant experience it could be uh, a cup of tea, Lee. Yeah. A nice cup of tea. Uh, it could be something you see. It could be something you eat, someone you talk to. And the practice is to experience that as though it were the last time you would ever do it. So it's imagine drinking your cup of tea as though this was your last yeah, cup like of tea. Hmm. Yeah? Your, your very last. How would you do it, Lee? How would you actually go about it? Well, you'd, you'd just appreciate it and be in the in the oh. moment more, much more deeply, wouldn't you? Oh, totally. You would notice the the, the aroma coming mm. off the tea. You would feel that the weight of the cup, the warmth of the tea as it as it went through the ceramic, as it touched your lips. You would feel the sensation. You'd feel the flavour flowing over your tongue. You'd feel the warmth. You would be immersed. So. This simple practice of experiencing things as though it's the last time trains your attention big time. Yeah. You notice so much more. That That's a good practice. So just throughout the day, technical fails there, Eric, but we're back back with you now. Um, and, yeah. and just wrapping up again, I think the, um, that practice of experiencing things as though it was the last time, I really love that, that thought. Um, and, and hopefully it's one that we can, we can just pause on throughout the day and, and start to appreciate. And I'm guilty, man. We just go through the day oh. so quickly that we don't really appreciate just the, uh, the beautiful mm-hmm. things that we have in our life. And that could be, I've just become addicted to fountain pens and, uh, writing with a fountain pen is something that I really just love. Um, those little times when I'm just writing with a pen and, and just appreciating that, that process of writing is, is quite nice. Um, so a valuable, a valuable practice there, Eric. Mm, glad to hear it. And yet yeah, the days are littered with moments that we can pause and appreciate. Yeah. And these small joys, if, when we experience these small joys as though it's the last time, they turn into big joys, really large pleasures. So one, it's quite fun. It's, you know, it's, it's really enjoyable. Hmm. And, uh, but secondly, we are training our attention to notice more. And self-awareness is the foundation of living with courage. We just notice what our minds are telling us. Yeah. Mate, I know you've got a, um, a limited schedule today, and as do I, but we've um, we've got your book, 
Um, so I'm going to stick a link in the show notes for everyone to reach out. Where can people best reach out to you, Eric, and, and find a bit more about your work? I know you've got a few videos on your website. Is that the best place? I do. So the, the website is a great place, uh, ericwinters.com.au. And actually on the, the, the homepage of that, you can download the first chapter of Swipe Right on your best self for free. So that would be the best place to go. And an alternative is uh, LinkedIn. Would encourage people. Got LinkedIn as well. Anyway, yeah. in the business world, yeah, connect on LinkedIn and you'll stay across what I'm doing. If I could just mention in February, I'm actually starting a new course of the book. A number of people hmm. have asked, what now? I've read the book, love the book, uh, but how do I actually go about implementing it? And all that. So uh, February, start February, I think it's February the 1st. I'm beginning a four-week course, four lots of 90 minutes uh, to help people to embed and apply the skills described in the book so that they can start living with courage and leading a more authentic life right away. So we can take the book, we can read it, and then we can have someone help us actually implement it and perhaps better understand. And I really like that idea because I find it... Uh, easy to read a self-development book, but much harder to, to put the things into practice. So when you have someone there guiding you, I think that's a, a valuable resource to have. So that's uh, starting February and can be found on your, if they're interested, on your website as well? Well, actually, it will be. It will be up there soon. I've only just announced it this week. There is no material. But if people connect with me on LinkedIn, I will update them as it becomes available. Yeah, fantastic. Well, mate, I know there's a lot more we could um, cover today and perhaps we can get you on for a, a second uh, interview at some stage in the new year. Um, that would be fantastic and um, we can explore other paths of our, our personal oh. self-leadership. Love to. Yeah, there's plenty more to talk about, Lee, as we, as we both know. Well, it's a wonderful topic. And thank you for the work you're doing. Mate, absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Guys, check it out uh, at thehiddenwhy.com. This is episode 953, and until next week, passion and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there. And also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon